The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favourite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great-tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Alexander Svetsky is the CEO of Amber App. He's also the editor of BitcoinTimes.News, which is about Bitcoin, money, philosophy, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. To find out more about Alexander Svetsky or Alex, please visit svetsky.medium.com. That's S-V-E-T-S-K-I dot medium dot com or go to amber.app, which is A-double-P, www.amber.app. Alex, thanks so much for joining us once again. And um, I'm back. <laughs> I was hoping you're going to turn up in a suit and tie, mate, to uh, talk to us. To be serious. Well, you know, as I always do, this is my this is my suit. <laughs> Where's my tie? I think this papaya is my tie, man. <laughs> I remember getting thrown off stage when I was younger. I was uh, when I was doing sales for this company. Um, that everyone had to wear a suit and a tie, and um, and I refused to wear the suit. But I got I got the award for the best salesperson in the country. And then when I went up to get it, they would give me the award because I didn't want to wear a tie. Interesting <sighs> formalities. We formalities. just announced that I'm going to be running for Senate um, a few hours ago in in the middle of the night in Australia. And <laughs> please do it in that shirt, please. <laughs> Well, oh, yes. Well, well done. It's interesting yes. because I, I, after my yes. kitchen rules, I swore that I'd never wear another tie in my life. And um, and we'll see. We'll see whether I could hold on to that promise to myself. Yeah. 
I'm 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 praying for you, brother. <laughs> I'll be doing the rain dance and everything from you <laughs> for you from here. Is it? But it. Oh man! It, isn't it interesting? I was watching. I was at my mum's the other night, and I was watching Sky News because we don't have free-to-air television, or we don't even have cable where we live. But I was staying with my mum, and I was watching the political theatre and the the craziness of they've got their political leader or representative, but then behind them they have three or four other people just standing there when they're on camera in suits. I was like, mm. haven't we evolved past that brainwashing that one person can actually stand by themselves instead of the perception of strength by having numbers of people in the background just on television? It really, it, it, it really, it, it really not. I wouldn't say it triggered me, but I was like, fuck, how can anybody not see what that is? That's just sheer insecurity yeah yeah uh, i mean the, the thing is it's it's when you've built such a facade that you don't know what's real or false you know real or fake anymore that you know these sort of these behaviors emerge which are completely unconscious i was actually doing a um, podcast two days ago with um i might see if i can get zuby on your show as well have you heard of zuby he's sort of he's that um he's, no. he's an author and rapper um in in england he's sort of been one of the voices of reason against the lockdowns and stuff like that. He's a really cool guy because most people who are in the arts like in the, who are artists and shit like that they're complete social justice warrior maniacs right but zuby zuby's a legend and we we're kind of talking about sort of how you know people are just sort of buying into these um these fucking narratives and these stories, but they're doing it as if they're like drones. And and like the, the suit and tie thing's a good example. It's like, I've got nothing against someone wearing a suit and tie. You know, you can look schmick wearing a suit and tie. And, you know, it, but, but be conscious about doing it. Like, you know, it, it's most people are just sort of are a slave to convention as opposed to doing it um, for some sort of reason. And again, I also don't even have a problem with tradition. Like, you know, if you look at... Um, you know, sort of the tradition in like the, you know, the, the 20s and the 30s and things like that, you know, people sort of, you know, they would suit up and they would go out and like, it, it'd be, a, it'd be like a, um, a thing about style and class, but now it's sort of this blind, you know, drony, slavish kind of, you know, I do it because I'm supposed to, which is, which is really pathetic. So, but anyway, we're, we're, we're drowning in that sort of patheticism. Uh, it definitely doesn't make you smarter so. by the clothes that you wear in the circumstance. In actual fact, yeah. most people, yeah. I think, yeah, that yeah, probably yeah. wear a suit, probably. You know, I mean, do they, would they really want to on a day-to-day life? Like that choking nearly, that suppression, that rigidity, instead of being creative and flexible and free, you know. I'm, I'm dressed up today, just so you know. I've, I've, I've actually put a shirt and pants on. So it's one of the only times that I do it during the day. It's on the podcast. I love it. Well, thank God you got some pants on, man, because I don't swing that way. <laughs> well, it's 6 a.m. here. I have just checked into the crypto world and Bitcoin seems to be nudging a new high once again after after a pretty, pretty wild mm-hmm. week. And I know we were going to talk about uh, the different cryptocurrencies out there and why they may or may not be a good idea. Or, uh, and I'll leave you to discuss your thoughts on that and, and what's the difference between Bitcoin and the others because I feel like there might be a lot of mm-hmm. curiosity out there 
especially over the last few weeks, you've seen Elon Musk talk about doggy coin or dog coin or however you pronounce it, and then also purchasing into Bitcoin $1.5 billion. And what does that mean? Because it's so funny because I've shared that story of Elon Musk and people like he's controlled opposition. He's part of the cabal. He's going to bring it down. This is, and I'm like, this is, this is fascinating just watching this play out and everybody's different perceptions on this. So let's hear Alex's perception on different cryptocurrencies and Elon Musk. Cool. So um, I think I, I wanted to entitle this web, uh, this uh, episode Bitcoin versus shitcoins because the way I define everything is basically we have uh, Bitcoin and then everything else, whether it's government money, whether it's crypto, whether it's crypto, whether it's um, you know gold, silver, everything else is a shitcoin other than Bitcoin. And, and, and it's, it's a bold statement. It may sound like a bold statement, but I'll, you know, I'll explain why. And I, I want to make the beginning of this a little bit more interactive with you, Pete, because I want to sort of uh, use what we've established in the prior three episodes as a basis to understand why initially Bitcoin. And, and I'll also come back to a couple of the notes you mentioned there, which is about you know Elon uh, via Tesla uh, buying into Bitcoin. I mean, we've been talking, Bitcoin has been talking about this for a long time. People who have not been in the industry, they sort of find this as a shock now, but it's not a shock. Um, and I also want to talk about why Bitcoin is for enemies. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter whether Elon buys it, whether the central bank buys it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's good for all of us. So, but let's let's just sort of take a step back and after the first three episodes that we've done so far and the one that you came uh, to do with me, let's ask the question, why do we need Bitcoin? So, so from what you've learned so far, what, t- tell me in your words, why do we need something like Bitcoin at this point? From my understanding is because it can't be corrupted. There's a finite resource of them, which makes it very attractive Let's think beyond that. So, so why why is that even important? What's so wrong at the moment that we need something that is incorruptible and all that sort of stuff? Like, well, we're in the process of watching and witnessing and observing possibly the destruction of our current system of finance. In in my opinion, if mm-hmm. the more we look at it, the more we see that inflation may rear its ugly head very very soon hyperinflation possibly and we're seeing the corruption so to speak again going back into politics of what can happen in in different countries um how they can keep going further and further and into debt I, i saw something the other day that just was astounding in this country and the potential next steps are frightening Okay, cool. So, so, that, so I'm going to pull on all of those threads now. So, um, inflation is an interesting one. You know, central bankers and governments would like to have you believe that we don't have inflation because what they do is they cherry pick the figures. Um, so, so the CPI, what they call the Consumer Price Index, is made up of a basket of goods that they track their price over time. But what they do, and this is why the game is so fucking rigged, is they pick the things that aren't rising in price. Um, and anything that is actually rising in price, they take it out of that basket and they say, oh, look, we don't have inflation. But what about inflation in asset prices? Uh, house prices fucking skyrocketing. Stocks skyrocketing. Um, 
things like precious metals skyrocketing, like things that are essential, energy skyrocketing. All of those things are inflating. The, the problem with these so-called measures that, you know, like the CPI and all that sort of stuff that they try and tell you that there's no inflation with is that they're measuring all the wrong fucking things. Um, you know, there's no, there's no point in measuring inflation on an iPhone because technology is a deflationary force. The price of those things is going to come down, not irrespective of how much money is printed, because as technology gets better, things get lower in cost. That's absolutely fucking normal. But everything else that is not uh, dri being driven down in cost by technology is going up in price. So we, we actually have a ridiculous amount of inflation. And when you think about what's happening with that inflation is anyone who's holding an asset, whether they're smart or whether they're just dumb and lucky, which is fuck, I accidentally bought a house, they're getting fucking rich. And anyone who's not is getting absolutely fucking decimated. They're getting impoverished, not through any fault of their own directly, but just purely because some people are close enough to being able to get loans and particularly the upper, upper, upper echelon. So when you look at what happened post-2008 was when everyone lost all their fucking money, when all the, the housing crisis happened in America, guess who was able to get loans? Not me and you, not mom and dad, not the business owner but the top end banks were able to go and get loans and buy all of the distressed assets. So all of that stuff, you know, happens in a really, really unfair fashion. So we've got inflation as one thing, which is here, it's here to stay. And so long as these assholes print money, we are having an inflation across, you know, all sorts of things that can't be technologically driven down in price. And therefore our measurements completely wrong. The corruption piece is then the next part of why we need Bitcoin is so long as a monopoly exists on the production of money, the world will always fall back into tyranny. It's as simple as that. I don't care how many of us are so-called enlightened or what we do out there and what fucking flags we wave and how many podcasts we do and how many books we write. It doesn't matter. The world will continue to fall back into the exact same tyranny as we've had every single time, whether it was from the Romans, from the fucking collapse of the um, Byzantines, from the you know the the rise of the the rise and fall of the church, the rise and fall of the the um, the nation states in Europe, all of that stuff was all triggered and driven by somebody being able to have their money on the money printer because the money represents our our effort, our time and energy. And so long as someone can create that out of thin air, it impoverishes us it, and it enriches them. Simple as that. We're not playing a fair game. We're playing a game of Monopoly where all of us are playing by the rules and one asshole is sitting next to the till and just pulling money out for his own good. Like we are playing an unfair game. So corruption will always rear its head again. And here we are a hundred years sort of into the US dollar era of fiat money. And the U.S. has done exactly what any other institution who had a monopoly on the reserve money of the world would have done. So we could replace the U.S. with Russia, with Germany, with China, with Japan. It doesn't matter. They would have all done the same thing. Because when you have a monopoly on the printing press, you create money at the expense of everyone else. So you enrich yourself at the expense of everyone else. So then what happens is all other industries start to derange and start to get fucked up because the game theory then suggests you, instead of producing and doing something of value, that is not the way to get ahead. The way to get ahead is get as close as you can to the money printer. And to get as close as you get to the money printer, you build up an institution like Wall Street, 
you build up public markets, you raise capital through public markets. So that way the money goes from the Federal Reserve through to government and banking, from banking through to public markets. And then that is how this whole technocratic elite that we see today has been built up. That's how we see these large-scale media companies that have been built. All that shit is come stems from the fucking money printer. Simple as that. So and I'll I'll touch on the third thing now, what you mentioned, debt. Debt is the process of borrowing from the future to pay for today. Now, when you borrow from the future to pay for today, at some point, something needs to be paid off. Now, what governments can do is they can run a bankrupt enterprise because they can just continue to print money or continue to tax us higher. So all they do is they continue to borrow from the future, borrow from the future, borrow from the future to spend today. And that has been going on since we've really moved into a debt-based economy, particularly from 1971, where we completely came off the gold standard. So I'd suggest anyone who's listening to this at the moment, check out WTF happened in 1971. Um, so what the fuck happened in 1971.com. And you'll see correlations between everything from obesity to uh, divorce to, um, you know, to sugar in foods to uh, inflation across different asset prices, everything starts to take off in 1971. Because the ramifications of printing money starts to derange society in all sorts of different ways. And one of the biggest ones that is fucked up is this creation of an unlimited amount of debt. Uh, if you and I Pete, go into debt, and we don't pay it back, what happens? We get our assets taken, we get shut down, we go bankrupt, right? Governments don't have that because they can just continue to create shit out of thin air. Now, they've got to balance it in some way so they don't go and print, you know, 100 times their money supply every year because they will go into hyperinflation very quickly, like what happened in Zimbabwe, like what's happening currently in Venezuela, like what's happening, you know, in Brazil, in, you know, what's happened in Weimar Republic in Germany. So, so that always does happen. So they try and, you know, keep some sort of balance going. But at the end of the day, debt is a promise on the future. So by living the way we're living today, we are impoverishing our future generations. It is a disgusting mechanism for operating society. We are supposed to be caring about our kin. We're supposed to be caring about our future, but we're doing the opposite. We are absolutely devastating any potential for a future. And what's going to happen is we are going to later, in, the, in, in paying that back, destroy our environment, destroy our societies, destroy everything in the process because that capital will have to come from somewhere. So so, so debt is just not magically, doesn't just disappear. You know, the time to pay the piper will come. So, so with these three things, inflation, corruption, and debt, the reason Bitcoin exists, and this is what I try and tell everybody, is its most important function on the planet is the demonopolization of money. By ripping money out of the hands of any individual, institution, government, foundation, body, or anything to operate. When the rules of money are the same for all of us, you actually, at the root of the cause, you start to stem the capacity for things like um, you know, corporate corruption, for government corruption, for all that sort of stuff to stem because it's not profitable to do that without being close to the money printer. Does that make sense as sort of like a first mm-hmm. level? Yeah. 100%. It's really important to understand. So so what I try and tell people now, and this, this is sort of where I'm going to get into the Bitcoin versus shitcoin piece, is fiat is the enemy. And fiat 
and, and I think we defined this in the first or the second episode, fiat means by decree. It means that someone dictates it. And that's the money that we have today. You know, we don't have a money that is emerged from, you know, uh, like organically by the market where we've selected the best good to represent the product of our labor. We have been told by governments that you must accept this piece of paper as legal tender. If you do not accept it, you're going to jail. That's like go go and go and make a photocopy of a fifty dollar note in Australia and use that at the shop. You see what happens. You go to jail. Okay. So we're not using money through choice. We're using money by decree. So fiat money is the enemy because fiat money is the tool of these monopolies that get to produce money, which again money represents our time and energy. So if fiat is the enemy. What Bitcoin does is it stands against every form of fiat in existence. It stands against government money. It stands against all of these new cryptos that are being created. So what I try and tell people about all these new cryptos is they are just a reinvention. They're like replicating what we already have in the existing world at the moment. It's a couple nerds and a couple dweebs who've written their own version of Bitcoin. So they've copied the code, they've changed a few parameters, and they're like, well, look, governments are bad. Um, they don't know what they're doing, but trust us, we'll print our own digital money. And if you buy it, um, it'll be okay. It's like, what the? F We're jumping from the fry pan into the fire. Like all of these cryptos are just run by someone or some organization or some group doing exactly what the government is doing, running their own money. Um, printing their own version of their own currency. And we've got idiots running around buying their shitcoin without understanding why Bitcoin exists. The whole point of Bitcoin is that you've got a fixed set of rules that nobody can change. There is no founder. There is uh, millions of nodes and uh, miners and validators all around the world that would all have to come to agreement to change one variable in Bitcoin, which is impossible to happen. You can't get five people to agree to go to a fucking dinner, let alone uh, millions of unknown constituents to come together to agree to change the rules of the constitution that is Bitcoin. So, so that, by definition, is the thing that makes Bitcoin unique. It is unchangeable. It, the, the rules are set. It is, it is run on all these machines around the world. It is not able to be replicated. It was a one-time event and what my friend Robert Breedlove calls path-dependent, meaning the way Bitcoin emerged was it emerged by an anonymous founder um, who introduced it to the cypherpunks initially, who then passed it around to each other. You know, it then helped power the first darknet market in Silk Road. And, you know, it was dismissed by everybody and it helped it grow and plant itself into the world before anybody even recognized what the fuck it was. And now it's emerging. That organic emergence is path dependent. You cannot go back in time now and redo that. Anybody who tries to take the Bitcoin recipe and do it now is a fucking fool because you can't go back and redo the events of history that have already occurred. It's not going to happen. And furthermore, to try and catch up with Bitcoin now by operating it, first and foremost, defeats the purpose because Bitcoin is not run by anyone, whereas you would be running your own thing. So you're just doing fiat. Um, but secondly, for every year you grow, Bitcoin grows an order of magnitude more than you do because it's already got the network effects and the momentum. So for, nobody's going to catch Bitcoin. And anyone trying to catch Bitcoin defeats the purpose of why Bitcoin exists 
because they are trying to do it. They are basically saying, I'm a better central banker. Trust me with your life savings. And, you know, let, let me print the money instead of the government, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll reinforce this with this piece because these guys are all technique, uh, technocratic guys. Would you, Pete, um, want to give someone like maybe Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg the capacity to be able to run the printing press of the world? Yeah, zero. No, never. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So all of these crypto clowns, they're literally young versions of Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates who are saying, we're going to print our own money and trying to wave the banner of, oh, crypto, it's freedom for all. And we've got idiots out there who are buying and supporting these fucking scammers so that they can go and roll their own money and scam God knows how many people into enriching them and, you know, other people gambling along the way. It's like, it is so fundamental. Like it baffles my mind when I hear particularly people who are like pro things like XRP. XRP is just a, a pack of bankers who didn't like Bitcoin. They missed out on Bitcoin in the early days. So they, they literally printed their own money. They created their own money out of thin air. And they, they've, they've created all these so-called partnerships with banks and partnerships with governments. They've done absolutely nothing but just announced partnership about partnership about partnership. And you've got this whole army of idiots who, again, don't understand why Bitcoin exists that are supporting the very people that Bitcoin is bankrupting. And they're supporting these idiots by putting all their money into fucking XRP. It's like, wow, like the level of stupidity is next level. So that's like sort of supporting the banking side. And then people like Vitalik, you know, he is a classic. I would say he's worse than Bill Gates and, um, and Mark Zuckerberg combined. Who's like Vitalik? Vitalik Buterin, he's the founder of Ethereum. So he believes that he should be the oligarch who runs the world computer um, and, you know, the, the competitor to Bitcoin uh, money with his invention called Ethereum. So, you know, every time something goes wrong with Ethereum, Vitalik comes in and, you know, him and his, the couple other developers who created it, and they change a set of rules, which is, oh, yep, like last time uh, there was a big famous one in 2016 where the, someone fucked up what was called like a DAO. Uh, uh, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's like a, a autonomous organization that invests your money for you. Um, and there was, a, there was a bug in the thing and someone, rightfully, they exploited the bug and they took the money out of the contract, um, which in a free market, in an open money, in something like Bitcoin would have been allowed to happen because, you know, it was an exploit on the thing. But no, Vitalik and his boys came out and they're like, no, nah, we're going to stop all trading on Ethereum. We're going to stop it all and we are going to change the rules and we're going to create a new version of Ethereum. They've done that now three or four times every time something gets a little bit hard. Like, so for me, when I look at that, I'm like, so you're telling me that I should take my hard-earned wealth and I already don't have faith in the government, but at least the government and central banks have a series of checks and balance i really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast if you'd like to listen to the rest please visit evolvenetwork.tv that's evolvenetwork.tv i'll see you there the information views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional medical or other advice by a qualified professional 
Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast podcast.